0: okay here we are yeah back for case four you guys are gluttons for punishment
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> case four is uh, i think our shortest koan yet the barbarian has no beard koan said why does the barbarian from the west have no beard now we'll sit for five minutes. Do you want to time it, Tim? Oh, we have to unmute everybody first.
2: (laughs) And people have to do that themselves.
0: Yes. You have to unmute yourself. Milda? Yes, ma'am? Do you want to read the koan and the comment?
3: Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, Koan said, why does the barbarian from the West have no beard? Woman's comment. Investigation must be genuine investigation. Awakening must be real awakening. For this, you must see the barbarian in person. But when I say see in person, it has already become dualistic. In front of fools, we must not speak of dreams. The barbarian with no beard adds confusion to utter clarity. Do I stop there? Mm -hmm. You stop there. And we'll sit for five more minutes.
0: Then we'll write for five minutes, just your uh, reflection. Okay, five minutes of writing. let's read on. our, Our alphabetical list may be a little bit altered, right? So find your place. I think what looks like we would be starting with Clark, right? Okay, take it away, <laughs> Clark. You're muted. Oh, let's see.
4: There you go. go. Starting with uh, Will Go's comment? Yeah. Practice is for fools, but it is very important. It brings us to ourselves to confront ourselves. There's nothing like it in the world. It is precious. People in the world are not fools. They interact with other people, engage in many tasks, and amid all of these activities, they try to be smart in their manipulations jealousy, arrogance, and diversion. They are so smart that they wallow in their own vexations. (laughs) Sitting meditation is an appointment with yourself to be honest with yourself. You do this by working on a method of practice. This honesty is a fool's practice where you try to put down all of your masks and tricks.
5: How you respond to all thoughts that come up in sitting meditation actually mirrors how you usually deal with your problems in daily life. Recognizing this pattern is is necessary because only when you take this first step of facing (laughs) yourself on a regular basis will you become more grounded, honest with what you have to work with. In doing so, you will be able to affirm, face, and accept yourself. Only then will you be able to begin the process of maturing the self and seeing through it. It is in this sense that your practice is truly precious Something to be grateful for.
6: If you think you don't have the time to sit every day in meditation, have it covered up with something. Okay. Five occasions every day, for example, at eight, eleven, two, five, and eight o'clock, or whenever. And during just one minute, relax, feel the body, and be with the task at hand in the present. Be with yourself. You can integrate this one minute practice, whether you are having a cup of tea, or the first bite of your sandwich at lunch, or climbing a flight of stairs, or brushing your teeth. You can simply set up your cell phone to ring every three hours. Discipline yourself to stick to this one-minute practice five times a day, only one minute each. There is absolutely no excuse to say you don't have one minute.
1: Ellen can now mute herself.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it's Ellen.
6: Eric, né?
7: Oh. Yeah. I think Ellen
8: goes before me. Oh. She's oh. having a hard time unmuting herself, it looks like.
9: Yes. Yeah, like... But oh, she yeah. is
7: unmuted, it looks
8: like.
9: No?
7: OK. Should I just go, or?
4: I can unmute now.
0: So, so Ellen, you're, you don't look like you're muted. Oh,
2: she is.
0: Yeah, she's. Is, is it, is it, it? Not,
7: you're... not in Zoom. She's okay, not. There there she, goes.
0: She's just <laughs> unmuted. <laughs> okay. What is that all about? Well, you must have been muted on your computer. The computer must have been muted.
10: Either that or the host is not, uh, is somehow not um Letting us unmute, that's the message I got earlier.
2: I have a theory that when people are muting themselves, then it's hard for them to unmute.
11: I heard, ah. that. I heard that, but I don't remember doing that, but I'll watch right. it.
2: But let me know if the theory's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell them.
11: I've complet I haven't even been able to
7: follow, what, where are we? That middle paragraph in our modern techn- technological society.
11: In our modern technology society, great. In our modern technology society, great emphasis is placed on progress. How far has technology gotten us in terms of knowing the most fundamental truth of who we are? If you don't <clears> even <throat> know who you are, what you are, or have no control over yourself, are you not primitive? Are you not a barbarian? beneath all of your modern gadgets.
7: The present case or going on is very simple and direct. It's like the first case of this collection. Does a dog have Buddha nature? Woo. Yet all Buddhists know that a dog like any other sentient being has Buddha nature. Chan master Zha comes along and says, woo, this case is similar. The barbarian from the west refers to Bodhidharma, the first patriarch in China in the Chan lineage. Legend has it that he was Indian, possibly even Persian, and that he had a beard.
10: In the Chinese language, the word barbarian has less of a derogatory connotation than in English. In Chinese, it is just ren, ren meaning means person. Hu means foreigner. So the Chinese called all foreigners Huren, whether the person was from India or Persia. Here, the barbarian from the West is a specific designation for Bodhidharma. As mentioned earlier, Chan masters sometimes speak derogatorily about each other or of their own disciples as a way of actually praising them. Bodhidharma was the first patriarch or lineage master. We look upon him as the founder of the Chan tradition. Although he was an obscure figure during his own lifetime, when this text was written, the legend that surrounded him had already penetrated into every aspect of Chinese culture. Respected by Buddhists and non-Buddhists, Bodhidharma had become a cultural icon a common knowledge. But there were numerous paintings of and poetry about him. He was the barbarian from the West with a beard.
2: One day Chan Master on Sh- Shiti said to his student, why does that fellow from the West Bodhidharma have no beard? Knowing very well that he had a beard this is equivalent to my saying, why does George Washington have no eyes? Many <laughs> practitioners have read the Heart Sutra, which states no eyes, no ears, no nose, no tongue, uh, t- nose, tongue, body, and mind. What is the, that text talking about? Master Shang Linji, for example, the pr- progenitor of the Kaodong, Ke- Ke- Lineage of Chan became a monk when he was very young. (coughs) He was seven years old when his parents brought him to the monastery. His karmic roots were very good. So, when the seven year old boy heard the line, no eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind, he touched his nose, eyes, and asked his tutor monk, How come the text says no eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind? Clearly, I have ears, eyes, ears, nose, tongue. His new tutor was dumbfounded and couldn't answer. So he encouraged Dong Shang to study with a master. Eventually Dong Shang became a very great master.
8: Isn't it true that you have eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind? Yet clearly the heart Sutra says you have no eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. Isn't it also true that Even with your eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind, you still do not know who you truly are. Between this having and not having, who am I? Your gadgets and toys won't work here in helping you to realize who you are, what you are. You (laughs) have no control of your emotion, your thinking. You are constantly blown by the eight winds of pleasure and pain, praise and blame, fame and disrepute, gain and loss. You are a foreigner to yourself. You are that barbarian with no beard. To take this case, why does the barbarian from the West have no beard? Seriously, is the same as asking yourself, why is it that I have no eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body and
9: mind? (laughs) (laughs) Investigation must be general investigation Awakening must be real awakening. For this, you must see the barbarian in person. But when I say see in person, it has already become dualistic. There are a couple of keywords here that are extremely important. The word investigation is a gestation of the Chinese word kin. In the pinyin system of spelling, C is pronounced like a ts or ts. So, the word can is pronounced sang, can, uh, sang, can be um, sang so is a very important word in chan, it means absorbing, participating, investigating, being one with something in a chan retreat setting, a person interviewed with a teacher is called do chan, which means a one-to-one investigation. something this something is done the reality of or true of awakening so do 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 song do song is an occasion when you and your teacher mutually protect investigate participate become one way of awakening this is an occasion when you present to your teacher your understanding of who you are your realization your realization and the teacher checks whether your understanding is on the mark of course, interviews are also used as an occasion to bring up with your teaching the difficulties or problems you have in your practice. But in its original usage, this song means to mutually participate, engage, in investigate, and realize the truth.
3: <laughs> the words genuine and real in the quote above are qi in Chinese. The terms also have the connotation of being down-to-earth, solid, concrete, and earnest. What is your practice like when it is being down-to-earth, solid, concrete, and earnest? It is when your practice is in accordance with how things actually are, not how you want them to be or hope them to be. Together together with Tusan, practicing in a way that accords with how things actually are are means to partake, investigate, become one with awakening, where practice and awakening are not two. This is to be she.
0: Oh, Paul's not here, so it's me. To do this, you must be your true nature, which is to be selfless, free, without fixity and rigidity. This is to be genuine, when I was in college, I lived alone above a Buddhist temple in Chinatown in New York City. Because of family connections, the abbot gave me the loft on the fifth floor of, the be- of that building for my own use. In exchange, I helped with the monastic affairs. I didn't practice at that temple, even though I lived there, but practiced with Master Sheng Yan in Queens. The abbot of, that- of the temple was Master Shui Ye, a great ascetic practitioner of our times. When, in his 20s, he copied the whole Avatamsaka Sutta, one of the longest Mahayana scriptures in the Buddhist canon, using blood from his fingers and tongue. Mm-hmm. So I have to tell you, the Avatamsaka Sutta is 1,500 pages long, a very, very small print. Wow. Wow. What I learned from him can be summarized by four Chinese words that he wrote in the front matter of a book of gongas. The four characters are Lao Shi Xi, Xiu Xing. Lao means always. Shi means to be genuine, the key character described above. Xiu means to amend. And Qing means to engage. Xiu Xing is usually translated together as to practice. So put together, the four characters mean always genuinely engage in practice. This admonition is forever engraved in my heart. Oh Stephanie, you can't unmute yourself. Hold on. Let's see if that works. Now it works. There we go.
12: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was thinking the whole would not allow me to unmute. okay.
9: Um, genuine
12: investigation here means that your practice should not be based, not be based on some fancy. It should be solid, concrete, real, and earnest in accordance with selflessness. It is something you must cultivate because your habit tendency is to be flighty and scattered, not to confront reality. You don't want to face things. You want to run away from things. When you settle down in your seat in meditation, you don't really want...
7: Oh, we lost her. Huh? Did we
10: skip
7: Sandra. Yeah, we skip we skip Sandra.
6: Good. Sandra,
10: can you
1: unmute yourself?
3: Mm, okay. Now oh. I am now you are.
1: so I wait for Stephanie or should I continue? Hello.
3: <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs>
1: Hello.
0: You, Sandra, why don't you go after Stephanie?
12: I don't know if anybody's oh, hearing you. me. Oh we we yes. can hear you. Yes. Seem to have lost a connection.
0: You lost video.
12: Okay, Uh, yeah, it's like, and I'm not hearing you guys very well at all. You keep breaking up.
0: Yeah, you've been breaking up a little bit too. Do you want to continue or do you? You want someone else to continue? Oh, nope, we lost her again. Now she's back. Now you're back. Can you hear us?
12: Okay. Yes. Now I hear you. Now everything seems fine. Um, I don't know where you last heard me.
0: Um You don't want to face things you want to turn away from. Hello? I think you're getting a big delay.
12: You don't want to face things you want to turn away from things. When you settle down in your seat in meditation, you don't really want to give yourself fully. Instead, you want to preserve your energy a little bit to save it for later. I'm sorry. I'm
11: laughing. Sorry.
12: Did you say something, Peg?
11: No. Uh-huh.
12: I I don't know I don't know what's happening.
0: We lost your video. Now it's back. You have kind of unstable connection, probably. It does seem as if
10: she has a delay. She's not hearing what you say until, it seems like, later. Yeah.
12: Uh-uh. Maybe, maybe I maybe I should pass tonight. I, I okay. seem to be having a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah, there mm. seems to be some sort of lag or delay. Okay. Do, do you yeah. want to you want to take this up, Sandra? And you can continue. Where Did she
1: stay just another substitute? Is that what she
12: Yeah, I'm just gonna listen. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where she. is. L- uh, instead, you want to preserve your energy a little. Instead. Uh, instead. I don't
1: see that. I don't see that know uh she say after instead Hmm. i don't see Peg. i'm sorry um
0: i think you've gone too far uh kim
1: it was in the first paragraph no that she's in there the instead i'm sorry yes instead you want to preserve your energy a little bit yeah save it for later for some people like, like to take shortcuts in life, in the things they do, when they come to practice they also try to take shortcuts. That kind of practice is not called genuine practice. Here we are told that in order to penetrate the meaning of why does the barbarian from the West have no beard, you have to take up this question with great sincerity and, and earnestness.
4: Practice this is to awaken yourself. What kind of awakening? Genuine awakening is one that realizes- you oh, wait, Clark.
0: Anna's back, so.
8: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. She can't
8: unmute herself, though.
0: She can't unmute herself. Hold on here. There she you is. muted yourself, and once you mute yourself, you cannot unmute yourself. There shall be no muting in this group. <laughs>
13: <laughs> is, that the way, is that the way this meeting's set up tonight? That's, uh, just, that's okay. good to know, good to know. Um, it's going to be
2: until we get the new version of Zoom. I think it's just a bug. Ah,
13: um, okay. So to practice like this is to awaken yourself. right? Yeah. What kind of awakening? Genuine awakening is one that realizes your true nature, not false illusions or altered states of consciousness. There are many spiritual or religious traditions that foster altered states of consciousness, particularly by altering your experiences with sight or sound. Chan does not encourage exchanging one state of mind for another. Awakening in Chan is not a state of mind. Take, for example, a person who has lived all of his or her life wearing prescription glasses with red lenses. When the person looks at the world, the world is red. Chan practice and awakening are not about substituting one colored lens for another. Rather, they are about pointing out that you already have twenty-twenty vision, and so you need to do away with glasses. If however, you feel you've gotten something or attained some state, rest assured that what you've gotten is just another illusion, an altered state of consciousness just another substitutable object created by your self-attachment. This is why Wu-Men warns that you must see the barbarian in person. But when I say see in person, it has already become
5: futuristic.
4: If your perception changes in meditation, for instance, if you see light or infinite space and feel completely at ease, If you see things as being all beautiful, realize that there is still a seer and things out there to be seen or experienced. This is duality. The sense of self is still present. Even if you experience oneness that everything is just myself, realize that in that oneness there is still a self. This is the great self, which must be let go of. You're must see the barbarian in person face to face. This means that you must personally realize who you are without disguise. The barbarian is not outside of you. If you think it is, then you are still in opposition, self and others, good and bad, having and not having a beard.
5: Wearing prescription glasses when you have 20-20 vision is foolish. It actually blurs your vision and confuses your mind. You are intrinsically replete with perfect vision replete with awakening. The problem is you think you need glasses. You've taken the glasses as part of your identity. This is like mistaking your fleeting thoughts and restless emotions for who you are. So no wonder you're vexed and suffering. Who's, who's thinking? Who's feeling? Deluded, your eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind do not truly see, hear, smell, taste, touch, and think. Isn't this like not having eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind?
6: (laughs) In front of fools, we must not speak of dreams. The phrase, in front of fools, has multiple meanings. In practice, you become great fools. My teacher used to call it the dead mind. What kind of mind is that? It is the mind that brings all vexations, discrimination, and opposition to their death. That mind does not discriminate. It is completely absorbed in the method. It is, is that enlightenment? No, there is still a method. One is still practicing and uh, can you move it up, please, Kim? Second, Second line from the bottom, thank you. I'm not sure where i am now <laughs> is that enlightenment is that enlightenment okay yes no there is still a method one is still practicing so the first level of meaning of in front of fools don't talk about dreams refers to becoming a fool who has no dreams usually people are not fools They are very witty and smart. They take shortcuts and practice in life or come up with all kinds of dreams. As their self is very tricky, they must first face this slippery self, accept it, learn to stop dreaming like a fool, and then wake up. How? Use the method of practice.
11: The second level of meaning of this phrase in front of fools We must not speak of dreams, means that when that when teaching those who are ready, those who have already brought to death their dualistic oppositional mind, don't talk of dreams, just give them the direct advanced teaching of Chan. There's a Chinese saying, don't play flute to an ox. This idiom means that the ox won't appreciate the melody or the beauty of the music you're playing. People will. Teachers must give the appropriate teaching to each student, otherwise it is useless. Giving ox, hay, and grass to graze is is appropriate. Playing music to those who appreciate it is appropriate. Similarly, as practitioners, it is important that you practice with earnestness. Don't be hasty or fanciful. Don't take other people's awakening as your own. You will have to practice genuinely. Bring your vexations to death before you realize that awakening is is originally not separate from you. Just mouthing that will not work and will certainly not free you from vexations or suffering.
7: Awakening or enlightenment in Chan is not knowledge nor a concept nor even an experience. As in, I experienced this or that. If it were, it would it would merely be replacing one pair of colored glasses with another. When a person actually takes off the glasses and sees the world for the first time, he or she experiences it as completely normal. It is not some fantastic altered state of consciousness or an extraordinary supernatural state of mind. The person actually has completely come down to earth and sees things as truly normal without any coloration or filter from self-referentiality. Labels, judgments, discriminations, categorizations of the world into good and bad, having and not having are simply absent and the world comes alive. Everything is astonishingly, naturally and splendidly normal.
10: The barbarian with no beard Adds confusion to utter clarity. How true this is. This line acknowledges your intrinsic freedom. Nevertheless, sometimes it is necessary to make waves when there are none. To create problems so you can solve them. Why? Because you're too smart and need to become a fool first. Before you wake up from the dream of self. So you need to ask why does the barbarian from the west have no beard please don't be smart and add fuel to the fire by spitting off all kinds of concepts and fantastic notions (coughs) Just focus on this why and allow it to percolate to simmer inside you until all concepts and delusions subside and when by chance you feel your beard you will finally realize that you have none (laughs)
6: So
0: we're still in the realm of having and not having, right? Does a dog have Buddha nature? Right? Having mm-hmm. and not having a finger? We're still in having and not having. Yeah, so interesting. (laughs) So I'm curious how um, these other koans have acted on you over the week, you know, when we have uh, the week in between. uh, What you're noticing about, uh, do you think about them at all? Do Do they show up? Do they have some resonance in something that you're doing? I'm curious about that to begin with.
9: Yeah, sometimes like while I uh I was eating suddenly the corn just caught up and <laughs> or like when I um took a shower, it's it's just caught up in just popped up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's sort of the Soto method. It's like it show you're just driving the car or something and the corn just shows up.
5: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
8: Yeah, I'm with Nancy. I find it randomly popping up just everywhere. Um, And I'm really appreciating um, Guogu's commentary as well. Um, Isn't it good? So it seems super insightful. Yeah. Um, So I've read through that a, a couple times afterwards, and that helps to continue keeping the Koan fresh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to look back at it to get the wording exact because the exact wording is really important.
10: Yeah, That's... I haven't been able to get past moo. <laughs> that, that word pops up all the time when I'm walking around just prior to this meeting. Yeah. what?
0: Yeah. Yeah, these, these, these koans grab hold of you and they won't let you go sometimes.
3: This particular koan seems to have moved something more than the previous three because I found myself asking, what, the, what does it matter if he's a barbarian? What does it matter if he's from the West? What does it matter if he has a beard? I mean, what do all of these distinctions matter? Um, so in that sense of being or not being, having or not having, it actually has come up more the, the the dualism in in the words mm-hmm. and and if the barbarian whether or not he or she or whatever it it is or isn't um, once we put barbarian aside beard aside west aside what's left and so it, this this brought the others um, more in focus. Hmm.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the other effect that happens is there's a kind of cumulative effect
8: mm-hmm.
0: of working with these koans um, and where you start to see, oh, this koan is actually no different than the first koan, right? Uh-huh. It's the same koan in a different frame. Right. So uh, so there, there's, you start to see, oh, there's these crazy parallels and <laughs> themes and...
2: Uh, yeah. So well, there's a parallel between that and our life where we think we're in different situations, but we're really over and over again. Thematically, so, yes. Our,
0: our conditioning continues to be the provider. You know,
2: there's only maybe five different kinds of experience, like frustration or, you know, <laughs> and, you know how many, you know, <laughs> and then our reaction to it.
0: Well, I think partly we keep setting things up with our own stories and our own conditioning so that it looks like a familiar story. That's part of what happens.
2: And then in this life, our our uh, the the range is a little narrower of of yeah. our experiences.
0: And I think in both this case and the first koan, um, there's a refuting of something that's well known. Like it's well known that Bodhidharma had a beard
2: and a red beard.
0: Yeah. And it's well known that everything has Buddha nature, right? So it's a it's a tossing of the things that are ex- sort of accepted um, in both cases. Yeah. <laughs>
10: yeah, it's it's kind of our tendency to want to, um, the mind wants to do a cause and effect thing or, um, right. I still remember. Tied with,
0: still tied up with Baijong's Fox. <laughs>
10: Yeah, it, it's sort of like, um, I was thinking of how Flint says that uh, um, there is no answer to a why question. The only answer you could possibly give to a why question is because every, of everything else. So that just kind of, <laughs> you know, what is a barbarian? What is a beard? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, <laughs> all of it.
5: Yeah.
7: So Peg, you asked about previous koans. Uh, um Probably what I found interesting is that several of these koans, as I've thought about them, what's kind of wormed into my brain is the the material that you and Flynn covered at the intensive, actually. So when I, not so much in the koan itself, but in the, in the initial commentary for woman's commentary, you know, the very first thing that popped into my head when I when I read "Fool" or "Practice Like a Fool" was the song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi, right? Which has the line "Practice like a fool, like an idiot, the host within the host." And I it just got me thinking about uh, the five ranks again, which is something that came up earlier as well. So yeah, um, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. And the um, and you you have to know that that's probably a reference to the koan. Yeah. You know, and to the commentary.
10: Mm-hmm. Uh, a yeah. fool doesn't know the answers to things, really. Uh, at least, you know, that's what I get. You know, somebody who just doesn't really know what's what, you know.
0: So that's that um, state prior to knowing uh, our our uh, go-to strategies, our our ways of knowing. Yeah. Which tend to close off possibilities and, you know, um, and in favor of some single solution or some single direction, which is dictated by our conditioning. So, So I think this is really kind of fascinating. You know, the whole backstory about Bodhidharma and meeting, uh, the emperor wu and uh and this whole encounter between those two you probably have heard uh where the emperor says you know what what merit is there in all the all the hospitals and libraries and uh monasteries that i've built um. and bodhidharma says no merit nothing holy
8: <laughs>
0: mm. which is Certainly surprising enough to the emperor that he says, well, who is it that's standing in front of me then? And he says, don't know.
5: <laughs> he
0: leaves. <laughs> and his minister says to him, don't you know who that was? You know, that's, that's a great bodhisattva. And so the king says, well, I'll send the army after him to fetch him. And his minister <laughs> says, you'll never get him back now. <laughs> so he crossed the river and he sat facing a wall for nine years this is where we get our practice he, he was the original founder of Chan in China <clears throat> nine years So a I'm long trying day.
2: to figure out uh, why he did that why he, he sat <laughs> at it was it a reaction <laughs> to the emperor or not, that's my life Goal. No,
0: I don't think it was a reaction to the emperor. That was just his settling down in his practice.
2: Well, did he realize something talking to the emperor that that. Was there some connection between his conversation and the nine years?
0: Well, so, that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. Should ask him when you meet him. <laughs> <laughs> <asking> that, <laughs> that was our first Zen ancestor. So when we chant the ancestors, He's the first one, um, really, um, in Zen—not the first Buddhist ancestor, but the first Zen ancestor. Is that the
7: first appearance of
0: people cutting off body parts too? <laughs> uh, as far as I know, I don't know <laughs> anybody, you know, in uh, in India, uh, except the monks who were mutilating themselves because of the Satipatthana Sutta, but the Buddha put an end to that. Mm. So yeah, yeah, I think a uh, week. <laughs> Who was determined to study with bodhidharma and to show his sincerity um, and he stood out in the snow and he stood out in the snow and bodhidharma was paying no attention to him at all so he cut off his arm
2: to show his sincerity bodhidharma cut off his eyelids so he wouldn't fall asleep yeah and then he threw them on the ground and then they turned into tea and then he didn't eat tea anymore. thank goodness we now have tea.
0: yeah from the eyelids so it's a blessing right <laughs> I just was thinking about all that blood spurting out on the snow. You know, mm. How vivid that must have been,
8: right? Such a contrast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably, uh, you know, the toughest entrance exam I've ever heard of.
7: Students just don't show that kind of dedication anymore.
0: Students <laughs> just don't show that kind of dedication. they are <laughs> like does this class meet before 10 o'clock?
13: I don't think <laughs> I can it. 10 o'clock. Eric, 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 are you getting some ideas for your students? That's
7: all right. <laughs> Absolutely.
8: That's right.
13: Yeah,
0: Yeah, there'd be a few lawsuits probably around that kind of behavior. So, uh, so I think Guogu's commentary is really helpful here. Um, and just sort of fleshing out more of the background and the context, some of the things that you wouldn't have any way to know if you weren't part of that culture. That's what I find really helpful about his commentary, and also that it's a direct translation from Chinese to English, and not from Chinese into Japanese and then into English. So I feel like we're a little closer to the bone here with this uh, with this translation.
10: Yeah, I really appreciate that. I, I was thinking when we were reading the colon at the beginning, I wanted to know the historical context who was a yeah. barbarian in that time and
8: yeah, and yeah
10: did they have beards and you know i you know why why this question you
5: know yeah
0: yeah yeah so What, what does a person need to know to even approach this koan yeah. yeah yeah it doesn't solve the koan for you it doesn't uh keep it from keeping you up at night but it uh it does give a richer sense of the context i think in the same way that when you're studying poetry, if you understand something about the milieu in which the poetry emerged, it often gives more depth to it. And you understand what it's in conversation with or what it's relating to. But so, if you
2: were doing the, the Rinzai practice, all you would be given would be the, why does it, uh, just the, the koan itself. Just the koan itself. Not yeah. even woman's comment, right? Not even woman's comment.
3: Mm.
0: It's really stark, you know, um, working with koans. It's very, um, it's very stark. sometimes Do they, have sometimes they koans? Your, What?
10: Do they have modern koans? I mean, ones that we would, you know, it would be, I mean, I really loved how he said it's the same thing as, you know, saying no eyes, no ears, no nose, you know, it kind of brings it, you know, more to you being in that in the middle
0: of it, you know. I, I wrote a bunch of contemporary koans, but they're, they're comical. Um, <laughs> they were comical,
9: inte- <laughs> anyway.
0: Um, but there are people who have, uh, who have written some, I'm trying to remember, I'm not remembering any of the authors, but there are people who have uh, endeavored to write some contemporary koans. We have, you know, I mean, Joko always believed that your own life is the, is the best koan. Um, mm-hmm. So she asked you, how's your real life koan going? And, you know, I have to say, as a single parent in graduate school, working three jobs, there were plenty of koans. I wasn't really looking for any additional koans. Uh, You know, I was just trying to solve how how to get to a saxophone lessons when when I had an instructor's meeting or how, you know, like, those were the kinds of koans I was trying to solve. Um, Yeah. So, so uh, I think, there's something to be said for that, that the koan that's that's most meaningful is the koan that's in your life right now. But sometimes what you discover when you read these koans is, oh, this is the koan that's in my life right now. Um, so sometimes you discover this is actually an accurate, albeit strange, description of what I'm going through. <laughs> you know, um, that was my experience working with koans with, uh, with Joko that I I would think it was something esoteric and far off and in another country and in another era and didn't really pertain to my life in any way. And then bang, it was like, oh, this is exactly what my life is about right now. This is mm-hmm. the whole con is really about exactly what's happening to me right now. So it's that's that's what I think happens when they start working in you. You know, you you start they start showing up and you're and then you're you're like oh, this is just another Bajang and the Fox deal, you know? (laughs) Peg. Yeah.
3: I'm curious. Do you find, have you found in your experience that people who hold on to words, people who are wordsmiths, people who are exacting in words, actually cling more to the words and have more trouble with the koans?
0: Um, no, or, it, de- or, it, it depends more on the person's personality. Okay. Like for some people, um, words are something that are part of the play. Um, they're not, uh, they're a medium like uh, oil paint or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if you're able to not fall into literalism or not fall into um, definitional argument, but you keep the words in play, then you're um, you're doing. You actually have an easier time with koans, because those words are just in play, and you're not wedded to some logical explanation. It, it's more your tendency. If your tendency is to be very analytical, and to be very logical and very literal, then you have challenges with koans quite often, because your your mind is seeking that analytical definitional argument, you know,
5: mm-hmm.
0: so, and, and it's quite literal. Um, and koans are playful more than anything. They're playful. They're a form of play. So, um, and they're the kind of play that dislodges your, uh, conventional conditioning in your, in the way that you think. So in the same way that really great art does, or in the same way that really great poetry does it disrupts your expectations and your conventional you know sort of um well i i think i think about Lynn ginian writing the essay the rejection of closure and she talks about the job of poetry is to reject our attempts to come to a settled interpretation no this po poem is about this this you know the the zebra in this poem means this and then you know like there's this all this um attempt, uh, and which poetry must continue to defeat,
5: <laughs> right,
0: in order to stay alive, in order to stay vibrant. It's the same with You
5: know,
0: they're, they're not going to settle down. I mean, even even a koan that you theoretically have resolved continues to percolate and continues to reveal new layers of sort of uh, unfolding in your life. So there are never really done i'd say Uh, but you move through them and one of the things you're discovering as we move through them is their resonance with each other and that in itself is a kind of a teaching
10: i love i love what you said about our life as a koan um i i find that more and more i really just don't know what's going on in my relationships or what's really you know (laughs) Uh, I love settling into that now. That's that's pretty
0: interesting. It throws you into the space of pure potential, mm. um, which is unsettling to parts of our mind that want things to be more uh, organized, let's say, um, uh, or more predictable or more determined. Yeah. It's really interesting how... Um, destabilizing and freeing it is, that place of pure potential. Anything might happen, even in a long-term relationship where you have a long history of predictable behaviors, anything is available.
10: I don't think I've ever really known what exactly is going on. I've been trying, (laughs) but life has showed me that, uh, you know, I I really don't know, you know.
0: (laughs) And that's wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean think back, you knew everything when you were twenty one, right? You <laughs> <knew everything. laughs>
3: so,
0: and you could tell everybody exactly everything, you know uh it's It's embarrassing to think about it now in, uh, and you, and you may wonder, have I become more stupid because now I don't feel like I know anything <laughs> but but events keep hammering away at our uh beliefs that we know what's going on, right? And so real life keeps thwarting our uh, our attempts to put it in some sort of a framework. It, so it's contra- great for this.
8: It seems like lately, um, one of the things that I've been struggling with in the current, like, political climate is everyone seems to have all the answers and, and their opinion, it seems, is like the one that they have arrested themselves in, you know, and... It Just yeah. feels frustrating
0: yeah people are dug into their positions pretty strongly um, I think they're I think they uh, the alarm is growing, and that's why you know there's uh more and more distressing signs in the real world um, that people are interpreting according to their ideologies and according to their their tendencies and their conditioning. So, so that's what you're seeing is people getting stronger fixed views.
10: Yeah, and it's that that's causing, I noticed my anxiety. I have um, people in my life that are on both ends of the political spectrum. And I, even though I have a tendency to go toward one end, even when I hear some people and how rigid they are in that belief system, I begin to feel... Um, the conflict that's in there, you know, and it doesn't feel good. Um, so to me, it doesn't even matter what you believe. It's the fact that you believe it so rigidly that really is, you know, causes the suffering to me. Yeah.
0: yeah this is what the Buddha taught is, um, is the suffering that's created by fixed views.
10: Yeah,
0: yeah, All the same, we can look at situations and say, this is wholesome. This is not wholesome. Mm-hmm. This is not conducive to happiness or welfare of self and others. This would not be approved by the wise. This doesn't lead to liberation. We can say that. And that's, that's the difficulty, I think, for people, is to find that place where they can hold a lot of openness and still recognize when things are not wholesome, when they're not healthy, and, um, and to know that.
3: What a perfect opportunity in this time of so much chaos to um, practice our co-on life. Yeah. Because there's so many things bouncing around out there and off mm-hmm. the walls and in our environment. I, I, um, I am so grateful for the opportunity to have this much <laughs> unrest to To learn how to sit with all of it, because generally i've i 've not been good at sitting with you know I, I I want control and I want structure and I want a, a yes. that false sense of safety and the truth is this is at least a, at least since college and waiting on you know uh, university admissions letters at least since that time, and this is so much bigger and different i 've never sat in so much not knowing where life is going to lead on so many levels. And it's changing. We, I don't even know from one day to the next, if I'm going to be able to get out or take a trip or see my son again for a year and having to sit with all of that. What an amazing way to practice. It's just yeah. is. Yeah.
0: I'm really, I'm really, i wondering how people who don't have a practice are managing it at all. Um, because that really that grounding in that spaciousness of stillness and silence in the midst of all the noise that's happening is so critical if we're going to if we're going to be able to draw on our wisdom and our compassion um i don't see how people can do that while their heads are so turned around
8: but look how
2: fast they are going to beaches and bars
0: oh yeah any distraction any pain relief any comfort um they're yeah they're completely unregulated around it yeah so our capacity to be still in the middle of it is a great asset even to be still in the middle of activity you know to have the stillness at the heart of it that um, it gives us some equanimity. It gives us a little bit of capacity to be a resource for others because, frankly, I don't know how people who don't have a practice can be a resource even for themselves, much less for anybody else.
5: Okay.
0: They're all turned around. So this is advanced-level practice. I will admit, you know, what we're going through is advanced practice. It will really test our practice. Mm-hmm. But it also forged a lot of strength in it. And and give it a deeper and deeper foundation. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you can meet this, you can meet anything. (laughs) Right? So
10: this reminds me of uh, kind of the Diamond Sutra. And Subhuti was asking about, you know, what kind of merit somebody who gave to charity and did all these things and you know, all this would have, uh, would they have more merit than just one person who actually was, you could say, rooted in the, in the truth. Yeah. And the Buddha kept saying in billion different ways <laughs> that that's the, where the true,
0: the true help is. In, yeah.
2: So. Yeah. Even one person who had learned four lines.
0: Yeah. Learn one gata. Yeah. So... So these koans are uh, some kind of, I think of them as some kind of internal combustion engine, you know, they're, they're sort of, uh, they get inside us and they're sort of like churning around. <laughs> and, uh, and they filter into our consciousness at different times. And uh, so having this experience of them, I think is not like working with a teacher to work with koans. Um, but it's not unlike our Soto way of uh, allowing them to permeate your life and percolate life. So, but if you were working on them uh, as koan practice, you would be working. You'd be seeing a teacher three times a day, and that is very challenging. Continually having to perform your whatever presentation of. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody want to share anything that they wrote? In the little five-minute piece of writing, it's not very long, you know. So it's probably just a paragraph at most.
6: I don't have a paragraph. I just have questions or fragments of words. Good. Have you forgotten something? Where did you go? You're right. At the same time, you're absolutely wrong. What did you think of the news? I have to go back. I never heard what you said. What a shame! Ah. <laughs> I don't <know>. It's very evocative. <laughs> Pardon me?
0: It's very evocative.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It was just came out of me.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think our responses are, you know, often not not following a normal narrative path.
2: I'll read mine. Okay. A simple question as if it could be answered. Is there a reason for anything? How could we know? What is genuine investigation? What is real awakening? Real knowing? To know is to see, but seeing isn't seen as others. As other, but being oh as other, but being What does in front of fools? We must not speak our dreams. Barbarians should be unkept. Things are clear until they aren't. Preconceived notions are wrong.
5: (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Well, I wrote on uh, the line The Barbarian with No Beard Adds Confusion to Utter Clarity." And it was really just a bunch of questions. Um, Where does the confusion begin? Is it the beardless state? Is it the words, barbarian, beardless? Can Bodhidharma be seen without words, descriptors, ideas? Can he be of a peace with our reality now?
0: It provokes questions, right?
8: (laughs) I can read mine. Okay. Uh, Very short koan. So (laughs) short that it appears almost random in nature. Why does the Barbarian from the West have no beard? What Barbarian? What West? Who cares why he doesn't have a beard? The woman's commentary helps some and reminds me a little of Juicy's genuine investigation after CG 's visit. See the Barbarian in person, but once you do that, you become dualistic. Does that mean you failed? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll read what I wrote Wu um, An said why does the barbarian from the west have no beard Bodhidharma the red bearded one brought Zen from India to China sitting in front of a wall for nine years he ignored Wike, who longed to learn from him until Wike cut off his own arm, standing in the snow. The red spurts of blood on the white snow. Zen is heartless, mindless, beardless. Such a strange practice, such devotion to what? A beard, an arm, a teaching, this practice. What was Bodhidharma's vow? Why do we have no beard? There's no time to lose in finding the answer to this koan. It is really and truly unresolvable. The lived experience, beard, no beard, practice, no practice, arm, no arm, one finger, no finger. Does a dog have Buddha nature?
3: (laughs) 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 And Peg, even when we, uh, this is what occurred to me as I kept asking, what is Wu? What is Wu this week? So, even when we use the words Buddha nature, we're creating a, a duality between non-Buddha nature and Buddha nature. I, I mean, it, even even in the use of the words, that's the only thing that occurred to me. So, so inherently
0: dualistic.
3: Yes. Huh. This this is why I was asking about: Do people who are wordsmiths have more problems? Because as soon as you attach to words, you're attaching to dualism and that makes it a challenge
0: you have to be careful not to fall into the trap there
3: yeah.
0: which is to privilege non-duality uh.
10: yeah yeah didn't didn't some Zen master say but you have to say something
8: that's right
0: <laughs> yeah I got into quite an argument with uh, one of the with a senior teacher who was one of the beat poets, who was talking about um, his uh, sort of constant efforts to get to the experience before language. And, uh, and it, it, as though language is something bad, you know? And he was just talking about how terrible it is that, you know, all of our experiences uh shaped by our language. But I, I don't see it that way. I, I really honestly don't. Our language is our medium. It's one of our most powerful mediums for communicating with each other, for forming relationships, for doing shared activities, um, and for creating societies.
2: And you, so, you miss thinking, just for simple thinking.
0: Just for simple thinking, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, and that's what I really liked about the Dale Wright book. Um, about uh, philosophical meditations on Zen because he was talking about this very thing that there is no prior to language experience. Mm -hmm. And this was what I was trying to explain to this poet, you know, like there's no prior to language experience. There's no way to, there's no way to even, there's no way to even actually even think about that. So uh, so we're continually, and that's what, one of the reasons why we have to be really mindful of the language we're using inside ourselves, about ourselves, about other people. Um, the uh, shaping of our own experience happens in, the, in, the, in our languaging of it. So a lot of what, you know, uh, a lot of what we'll do is just reframing things in different language
7: so Peg, how do you um, how do you understand that concept in the context of you know, some people have whether they're traumatic or not, they have very memorable experiences from a time in their life that they were preverbal, so they didn't necessarily have like a word language, but the, yeah. and these experiences stick with them, right? I mean, so a lot of times people will say. Yeah, this, the only, this is, yeah, the only
0: meaning that those experiences have for them is when they put it into language. Yeah. So. So they have language to talk about it. So. Um, it's really it's really interesting to me how much language shapes our experience of the lived reality. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you, if you look at it, you'll see um, just, the, just the languaging of something. So our relationships with other people are so uh, ensconced in our uh, definitional arguments about this is a marriage, this is not a marriage, this is not, you know, this is not the way a person should behave or whatever. It's all framed in language, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and a lot of our disagreements are disagreements about the language. Yeah. So, um, I always say that all the, all arguments always end up being definitional arguments because we're fighting about what's the definition of something, what language are we going to wrap that in? So, uh, and and so the more experience we have with other people, the more um, we're startled to discover that their languaging of something might be completely different from our own, right? And wrong. No, just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so interesting. Uh, it's why you know language became such a consuming obsession for me was because I could see how challenging it is to express yourself in a way that won't be misinterpreted. So you start becoming attached to precision in language because you have hope that that way you can avoid a lot of the misunderstandings of your motives, your intentions, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to do with other people, you know, that that the languaging of it often makes a huge difference. yeah it's 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 kind of a fascinating uh, thing when you start to notice how things are being languaged and, and big, even then though
7: it it seems like there's it's it's, it's still not a hundred percent avoidable right I mean you have people with different cultural backgrounds and
0: it's definitely not avoidable i mean it's a miracle that two people with identical social backgrounds can understand so exactly kind of miraculous um yeah, we're so shaped by our conditioning. So part of sitting is to get still enough and silent enough, you know, to, um, to open a space in the middle of this, this sort of preconceived conditioning that's shaping our world and filtering everything that we understand about it. So, and the idea is not to just get a better set of conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's It's pretty radical, I think Buddhism is pretty radical because it's not selling you another you know batch of conditioning, another set of linguistic constructs that you're supposed to now espouse instead of the old ones that you used to have. It's not what it's about
7: It's like in the in the commentary from Google exchanging your red glasses for blue ones or something or?
0: exactly yeah exactly. It's not like can I get better glasses for sure. So yeah, so I think, okay, this is the end of our time. Um, I assume that you have, s- you, you guys settled on the book that you're going to be looking at um, over this month, right? Right. We won't meet again until September.
3: What did you settle on? Yes, I, what is the book?
0: <laughs> I think it was the- um, Gil Fransdale book. Gil Fransdale book. Steps on the or whatever it is.
3: Oh, let's see. Uh, steps, steps.
0: Deliberation, isn't it?
3: Deliberation. Okay. Yes, Thank you. Liberation.
0: Yeah, it's very. Um, it's <laughs> a lovely book. Very
3: accessible,
0: <laughs> and you probably will have no trouble finishing it this month. But if not, we'll just continue until we're done with it. But and then we'll take up the koans again. <laughs> this gives you a month of koan reprieve.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> these cons we've already started with
3: <laughs> but i was just getting used to being confused <laughs>
0: <laughs> well now you'll get into the, the sort of clear cold water of uh, gilfromsdale everything will become clear <laughs> <laughs> right. right.
8: okay. thank you
3: take care
5: thank you bye bye Goodbye. bye, bye.
3: bye. bye.